Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Chris. With me, as always, is Stephen Taylor. How are you two doing since last time we recorded, which was like right? less than five minutes ago? Four minutes ago? <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a good recording day uh, because both of these movies are so, I, I mean, to me, are so, so special um, that it's like almost, it's like, like, a joy to talk about it and like i mean we ended the we ended the year with the that de palma double feature which was like <laughs> it was it was both great because we had phantom of the paradise and then it for me it was like like painful because we had the fury and and, <laughs> and uh kirk douglas doing parkour in his 60s in his underwear um and i mean this is a just like a really like nice and refreshing way to come back almost like you're in, in a comfort zone of wrapped up in a blanket with a with a grilled cheese sandwich and a tomato soup type thing we mm. i got quite a few <laughs> emails i'm hungry <laughs> people who watched the fury and phantom of the paradise and were like what the fuck did i watch why did you guys come this? <laughs> and you know what you know they uh can't all be winners i guess but uh no. Yeah, that was, I think that was like the strongest reaction I've had to like a pick of like ours that we chose where people were just maybe aside from Father's Day, the trauma movie that we did like back with the old crew, <laughs> that one didn't get a good response from people at all either. But uh, uh, I apologize for making you all watch The Fury because apparently that movie is not good. I still stand by the end scene of that where Cassavetes just blows up. That's such a great scene. You know what, though, if we had to watch that movie, I think it's only fair that other people have to as well. True. We, we, if anything, like there's somebody over at one of the studios who's like, "Wow, all of a sudden we're getting a bunch of hits on the Fury. What's up with that?" And they're like, "Oh, oh they come out with like a special edition now and like <laughs> new extended ending." Casabetti's blows up for one minute longer than before. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey, that gif you posted with it that's just that's the best thing about the whole movie so yeah arguably is is yeah you know what i that's that's true if you, you don't you watch the movie just look at the gif yeah just go on youtube even you can like look up the ending i'm pretty sure that's on youtube so <laughs> we should have uh, just done that and watching the movie we should have done a whole episode just reviewing one just, gif just the, the gif is 10 out of 10 just the gif of <laughs> blowing up at the end yeah well, that would have been worth it, probably. Um, anyways, we're here talking about The Mist, um, a movie that uh, I watched when it came out. And I haven't watched it too much since, so it was interesting to go back. I feel like this will be an interesting episode because I don't know if it's aged as well as I thought it would, but... Um, Steve, I know you're you're a big fan of the mist. Huge fan of this one, especially because I watched the black and white one. Mm. And oh, this is the I way. Forgot to do that. Yeah, I was gonna this watch the, the black and white. Ugh. Yeah, and this is the way Darabont wants wanted it to be seen, uh, and it just it 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 adds um it adds weight to the special effects mm. as well, um, to the paranoia of it, uh. And I, I know we're jumping the gun here, uh, but it adds weight to the greatest performance in this movie, the one that drives this movie and is increasingly better every time I watch it, and it's Marsha Gator Harden, because holy shit, is she good in this movie. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm terrible with actor names. Is she the... She's the church lady? lady. She's okay, the church yeah. lady. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. Oh, she did such a good job of making me hate her. When every every single time someone, like, threw something at her or hit her, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. 
Yeah, well, exactly. And this movie plays with such great societal archetypes uh, mm-hmm. as a survivor movie, as uh, you know, with conflicting conflicting ideals and and and, and uh, I mean the the horrifyingness of them sacrificing uh, the 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 military guy is just like oh, so it's it's. It's got that Lord of the Flies quality to it that I I just I can't get enough of because it feels so ingrained in how society would work even you know now mm-hmm. and or like when Stephen King wrote it in the eighties like it's so it, it's still the truth I don't think you can get beyond it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that adds that little extra disturbing layer to it, right? Because you're watching it and you're like, this is a movie, but I can hundred percent see this playing out in real life if this were to happen 100% if for some reason monsters invaded earth or like came through some sort of portal or whatever happens I I definitely feel like so many people would attribute it to a religious experience or something that's happening from religion and yeah just like I don't know like being in watching this movie it's like even if that is happening you could at least be doing something useful instead of just standing around yelling at people exactly (laughs) And I mean, and and uh, like one thing that I, I feel like kind of gets a little glazed over when it comes to this one. I mean, because we praise Marsha Gay Harden, and because of the ending, we always remember Thomas Jane. Yeah. But I mean, the cast. All right, you got yeah, Thomas Jane, Marsha Gay Harden, Lori Holden, former uh, so Silent Hill and uh, um, Walking Dead. There's a connection to Frank Darabont, who who I mean is Stephen King's buddy. Because he makes some of the best, he's made the best Stephen King adaptations. Mm. Um, Andre Brower's in this one. Toby Jones, William Sadler, Jeffrey Demun, Francis Sternhagen, Nathan Gamble, Alexa Davalos, uh, The Shermanator, Chris Owen, Sam Witwer is in this one, and even uh, Carol from Walking Dead uh, plays a very small role in this one. But Melissa McBride's in this movie, uh, and yeah, it's just. I, I mean, this movie came from a 98-page, like, short story. Mm-hmm. Carol, who basically is the same character in this movie as her, essentially. her Walking Dead, yeah. Yeah, essentially, yeah. The beginning of that character, because as far as you know Carol now, fuck, she's one of the best characters on that show. Well, I mean, yeah. even because you see in the end, like, when the military is coming through, she's... I mean, maybe this is a spoiler, but she's on the tank with her kids. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she fucking made it. She, yep. I, like, you, I can only imagine what she saw on her way home. But that was kind of to the 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 point in the movie where I was like, okay, the moral of this movie is just that nobody knows anything, and we're all just probably fucked. Like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I was so thought that there was going to be some reveal where they came across her body or something, and that just she she survives. Like, I did not expect that, and I thought that was actually pretty cool yeah no um i i i think with this movie like i the a lot of like the the inter drama between all the different people it's interesting but then i think for me it kind of like slowly started to get like a little monotonous for me in terms Mm. of like i felt as if it was just sort of beating the same beat after beat after beat and i was just like oh my gosh like i just i uh, i knew the ending was coming and i loved the ending to this movie but then part of me was also like i just can't deal with all this drama it's just, it was mm. just, just getting a little too monotonous for me and i think it's interesting that largely this movie takes place in just one setting uh you know it's not a movie that largely sort of you know bobs and weaves that's kind of interesting but i think it sort of also limits the movie somewhat but mm. you know i think i think there were like a lot of characters that they and i'm not i haven't actually read the the story so i know it's very common of stephen king to put lots of characters and things so maybe the stuff all just happened in the story and they had to yeah. include it but it seemed like they set up a lot of characters and and wanted to show off a lot of cool monsters because um, some of the scenes were really cool and really creepy, but I kind of agree with you that plot-wise, um, like they could have been there, they could have not been there, and I think it would have been kind of similar. Like they didn't, they didn't add to the plot, but it was really cool to see 
the different ways that people got fucked up by the monsters, you know? Yeah. I think um, that was what was keeping me sort of enthralled with the movie was, like, the various kills and whatnot. But definitely there was a part of me that was like, uh, I'm just going to pause the movie and, like, just go do something else for a second. Like, I'm just like, eh. It wasn't quite, like, fully enthralled. Like, uh, I remember being when it first came out, so... Mm-hmm. Also, after that scene, the where they kill the, were were they in the the military? I guess they they I don't remember if they specified like what kind of military they were a part of. But when they kill him and he's talking about the hearsay that he's heard from like people opening up different worlds, um, that immediately uh, made me think of Half Life, and I will mm-hmm. always associate this as like Half Life the movie kind of. Because go. that that totally is what it feels like to me. Like they've opened this portal, and all yep. these monsters just start pouring out of it, basically. Yeah. Um, which kind of is like a little extra cool to me, even though I know it's not the intention. It's explored more in the in the short story uh, mm. that you kind of get a, a deeper feeling about that. They there is basically they open up a doorway to hell. Mm, the hell mouth. Yeah, essentially that, which also brings that Lovecraftian kind of idea into it mm-hmm. as well, kind of pertaining to the last movie we talked about. Um, yeah, and I, I, because I mean, you, which really comes through in these the creatures that you see, like they're like an a large like hell moth type fucking thing, or you know, like just like just the weirdest fucking creature effects, and it is almost Cthulhu like. Some of the mm-hmm. ones that you see, yeah, especially I mean, the, yeah. the parking lot creature. Yeah, the gi- the super giant one coming yeah. out of the mist. That's yeah, that was that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Also, um, another uh, video game reference, totally made up from my brain, but he totally <laughs> looks like he's painting John Marston from Red Dead Redemption at the beginning of this movie. <laughs> uh, connection. Hold on, this is fun. Connection to the Stephen King universe. That's the gunslinger. From the Dark Ooh. Tower series, that he, it's Roland of Gilead that he's painting. Yeah, that's cool. From and uh, the painting was actually done by Drew Struzan, who is the guy that did all those Indiana Jones posters, the Star Wars posters. He's one of the oh. most famous poster makers in the entire world. That's it, super cool. It was kind of funny watching that because I'm like, this would have been really cool if I didn't know there was a terrible movie. <laughs> that, was so oh. <laughs> that breaks my heart. It really breaks my heart because it was supposed to be so much better. I mean, it would have been yeah. like if they did an Amazon series like they originally were wanting to do or like a series form HBO style, it could have been the next Westworld Game of Thrones type thing, but they fucking bobbled it so badly. Mm. Yeah. By combining, they they basically tried to combine most of the books into one movie, and it was just a just a, a, a quagmire of shit, and mm. yeah, so so disappointing, and just such a black mark on how great that series is. Yeah, no, it's just kind of interesting because like I, you know, watching it back then or whatever, you would be like, hey, that's a Dark Tower reference. Now it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's a Dark Tower. Even the rose is a part of the picture. Like you can see the tower. You can see the doorway. Like when he's standing in front of one of the doorways between worlds. Like there's so many different references in that because it it comes down to the fact that the Stephen King universe is all like basically all tied together, and and it's just another brilliant reference and just another reason why I fucking love Frank Darabont's love for Stephen King because. As far as a as a King fan goes, like he's the ultimate, and and like, what a dude, what an absolute dude. Uh, and it, it's sad that Frank Darabont's been basically fucked over in everything he's done for his entire fucking career. Yeah. No, it's um, yeah. This, but anyways, we should uh, talk about the first time we watched this movie. Uh, I think for me it was when it hit DVD. Yeah, I I want to say that at some point it was playing on TV, and I thought I had watched the whole thing, but there were definitely parts of this that I forgot. Um, like when the tentacle shot out at first, I was like, "Hold on a second, I thought this movie was about like monsters and bugs." And now it's like, it it. But I mean, that just goes to show all the different types of monsters they try to throw in there. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but I don't even... I, I want to say this was probably the first time that I've completely watched it all the way through is for the podcast. Okay. Um, I saw it on November 23rd, 2007. Wow. Dang. Very specific. Yeah, that was the day it came out. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, that's I, very I, specific. I, I, I'd been waiting for that movie for over a decade. You know what I mean? Oh. Like, okay. like, I've been waiting for somebody to do it for so long that there was no way I was I was going to be the second. You know, there's no way I was waiting for the second um, showing of that movie. I was going to it. That's a pretty good payoff. Like, this is a pretty good movie to be <laughs> adapted from <laughs> from that, you know? So sometimes yeah. you wait and wait and wait, kind of like we were talking about with Gunslinger earlier. And then it turns out to be shit but like wow that's you you came out on top for that yeah i i think so i i really do i like i said i can still watch it and still have that 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 feeling that i had uh of course i really only watch the the black and white one now but i mean audience is kind of with me on that one this is 65 on 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 rotten tomatoes for audience score so it's I mean, I, I, I'm kind of in, in the popular side of that one. And the 71 fresh, so. Yeah. yeah man, I'm, I'm upset that I forgot to watch it in black and white because I feel like that would have impacted the tone of the film. Me. I mean, right away when that when the, the, the bag boy, like that scene, like in, in the back and everything, in black and white is like so, it feels so thematically different. Mm-hmm. Uh, than when you watch the colorized version, and and it's it's sad because that's another thing that Frank Darabont fought for is like I want this version to go in theaters, and uh, I think it was Dimension that put this one out. They're like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, Harvey is that is that fault for that? Mm, yeah, good old Harvey, rotten in a prison cell, as he yeah. should be. Um, cool. We um few emails or a couple emails here tyler says doubt the movie would still be talked about if the ending had been poorly done the movie doesn't have much more going for it that's a little harsh that's 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 i completely disagree yeah i, mean, I think just completely. like seeing seeing the monsters and some of the way that they reveal them that in yeah. itself i think is a strong point to this movie like if you just like watching mo- cool monster movies the, the obviously the the drama between characters kind of like kurt said earlier might get a little bogged down but there are some cool monster reveals in this mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. yeah i i would still say this movie is pretty watchable even if you're ha- like me having issues with the character uh character work and plot in some cases but still like i i think there's a little bit more than just the ending going for this movie yeah like, i, I find that very reductive i i I feel like i need more rapport with this person just to be like well what is like what is it what is it not like what is nothing about everything that comes before (laughs) that because i feel like like that ending like if you don't have everything that precedes it who fucking cares about that ending then yeah Mm -hmm. it's like it doesn't work then if you don't give a shit about any of the people in that jeep then why the fuck are you watching it do you feel like part of that ending could just be the fact that it is like a dark ending and some people don't mm-hmm. associate the emotional attachment with that, but more so it's like, this is a different kind of ending. Like they don't yeah. have that attachment to it. They don't to them. It's just, this is an ending that is dark and depressing and you don't see too many of those. I would say nowadays in movies like the dark downer ending is a little bit more common than it was in yeah. the early two thousands, but still it's, it's still not as common. And I think for like, not, I, I hate saying this, but like for a casual movie viewer, you know, if this is like the one example you have of a dark and depressing ending, you're going to probably be like, this is one of the greatest ones of all time. I can think of movies mm-hmm. that have some pretty fucking dark endings that oh, I would sure. say either is equally as good or better than this. But yeah, I think still this movie is quite good and the ending is quite good too. Um, but if you're, you know, I've seen people online saying this is like the best ending of a movie ever and i'm like uh it's pretty cool but i i can think of some that i enjoy a little bit more but i still think it's up there for sure like it's still such a great ending 
And I, you got to put it in perspective that Darabont wrote the ending for this. The story doesn't have an ending. It's a trail off. Yeah, it's an ambiguous so, ending. So, yeah. So Darabont had to write a finality to it, and this is what he wrote. So, mm-hmm. you got to... I mean, again, like, we're holding Frank Darabont on our shoulders right now, championing him, because he did such a phenomenal job with this. Well, I, and even just, like, with the, the character... Like, it's it's so tragic, especially because I feel like his character, he called so much stuff earlier on. He was like, that religious lady is going to get people behind her. She's going to start sacrificing people. We got to act. Like, yeah. he he knew what was going on. And yet at the end, he still gets, oh, like, it's it's like God punch. Because I yeah. feel like if anyone should have made it out of that alive, you would think it would be him. Because he's yeah. he seems like he knows what's going on. Yeah. But at at the same time, David is responsible for almost every death that happens in the movie. True. Oh. Yeah. I didn't think about it. For like being that. the hero of the movie or the main of the movie, he's also one of the biggest problems in the movie. Mm. Oh, that's that's a really interesting point. I'm going to keep that in mind when I rewatch it in black and white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyways, Tyler, I think you need to reevaluate your stance on this yeah. movie, in other words. No, it's just it's just like it's just like weird. It's just like a weird just like like fuck this movie. Like, oh okay. Yeah, like <laughs> I wouldn't even go that I, far. I don't know I don't know where you're getting where you where you're getting that from. It, it yeah. Did your It's not cool just to hate things just to hate them. <laughs> did your dad leave you and your mom when this movie was playing? Like I don't I just don't understand the hatred for this movie. <sighs> I mean, I I have some major issues with it, but not not that bad. Look, I forced you guys through graveyard shift, and I didn't even attend that podcast. Okay, and which <laughs> that was yeah, that and was you guys. <laughs> that was something, you know. Graveyard shift was uh, yeah. Although, yeah, hey, thanks for rats. reminding me about giant, that. Giant Steve. bat rats, okay? Giant bat rats, just fucking deal with it. Although it is kind of interesting because <laughs> I will like you know, occasionally see like people sharing that episode on social media. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Oh no. I see. I don't usually go back and re-listen to uh, a lot of the episodes because I hate listening to myself talk, but now I'm like, what what do we talk about during that podcast? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Brad Dorif, Brad Dorif, as you do. Um, Given the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, Was he, yeah, he was in Exorcist Three. He should, you know, he should get more, more awareness for his work. Um, Wendy says, "What do you think of the original Stephen King ending? I like it, but I think the current ending works better for that emotional gut punch." Yeah. Um, I haven't actually read the short story. What is the actual like ending of? Like, I know, Steve, you said it just kind of trails off, but, like, is yeah. there stuff that happens at the well, end? Well, it's just, like, kind of going out into the world. Like, like you know, the people that die out of the store do do die. Right. And, you know, uh, of course, uh, you know, religious woman sets her crusade and all that kind of stuff. But, like, um, yeah, it, it is more, way more ambiguous than the finality of... Well, we're we're all going to have to kill, you know, kill kill ourselves type thing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, it almost it's it kind of makes it seem like it's more about like people and their relationships and what they do in a in a crisis as yeah. like mm-hmm. it's it's not just about the monsters and stuff like that, right? I guess that's apparent in the movie too with how much time they spend on the like the relationship like social drama and stuff that happens, but yeah. it's yeah, it's interesting that it's almost kind of like two slightly different movies blended together with that. Yeah. Um, I I also, I, I want to bring this up because I, yeah. there's just, as far as like classic movie making goes, there's so much about this that I, that I absolutely adore. Um, cinematography wise, it, it, it looks so, it, it just, the way this movie moves is just, it, it's engaging at all times and I love the title card that they put it over top of them looking out the window and the mist rolling in. It's mm. so, oh, it's brilliant. It, it's almost like a Twilight Zone episode. Wow. Yeah, I didn't think about it that way. Um, let's see. Yeah, I think 
like from what I know the ending, it's like there's some kind of like radio signal, like kind of like just it's like slightly optimistic, but it's like you don't know what's actually out there. Yeah, so it's sort of like yeah, it's. Hey, Let's go out there. Let's go see. But you don't know for sure. So it's ambiguous in the idea that, like, they don't know what they're heading into. But there is, like, yeah. that slight optimism because the radio plays. So it... It, it, it coaxes them out into the world. Yeah. Uh, and the ambiguity really is, uh, is this an actual recording? Is this a recording from halfway around the world? Is this a... Is this is this live like what is it but it's enough mm. to get them onto a next leg and what what that is you don't know yeah mm -hmm. so no i think it's um it's uh it's an interesting movie in that sense like i like the ending that they have now because it does feel like it's a little bit more neater a little bit more obviously visceral in terms of like the impact of like yeah him killing them and then realizing, oh man, shucks. I was only like <laughs> seconds away from getting away with this. It's so. kind of like, it's kind of a little hopeful, even though it's tragic for that character. Because like, you see the military actually being able to deal with it, which should give you like hope that, oh, things are okay. It's other than the main character killing every single person that he was with. But yeah. Also, um, not realizing that there aren't enough bullets for yourself afterwards, I feel like that's a little bit of a, a, a plot hole, but yeah, maybe I missed something during that scene. Because I was like, he was trying to like kill himself afterwards, and then he gets frustrated because he can't, but it's like, didn't you just load the gun? I can't remember. Yeah. I just want to imagine he like wasted one shot, and he's like, no, why did I do this? Um, yeah, so... I'm just gonna say right now, I don't like uh, Lori Holden as an actress. So watching this movie, I got a little trigger remembering that she was <laughs> in this. Also, they set up her as like um because I'm still terrible with actress names. She's the I'm assuming the, like the blonde motherly figure. Um, yeah, slash Amanda. love interest, right? Yeah. Um, they set up her as like a almost like a romantic interest before his wife like anything happens like they go into the grocery store he's there with a son and then he has this eye contact with this woman that's like dude you you have a wife like that's romantic <laughs> eye contact yeah. and like things haven't even gone down yet and they're already setting that up and like i made a note of that i just thought that was so funny i felt i felt a little bad for i know this it's a movie so it's not real but still like his wife is at home and she's just been completely forgotten about mm-hmm <laughs> Yeah, it seems like he's already, like, predicting that it's, like, eh, my wife's not going to make it. I might as well just start moving on now. Yeah, but, well, I'm assuming it's, like, one of those Hollywood things where there has to be, like, almost a little bit of romance kind of like, shoehorned into yeah. things sometimes. Even the poster of this movie has, like, the two of them in front of the door, and it seems very, like, romantic. Although, I'm going to mm. be honest, Thomas Jane, you could do a lot better than Lori Holden, let's just be honest. So <laughs> That's just your pre-bias, though. I, I, she's bad. Oh, I met her in real life, and she's a she's oh a, yeah. So I so you just, watch you watch a certain scene of Silent Hill then a lot, I assume. N no, maybe I no, should. <laughs> no. I, I feel I feel like there's somebody out there that wa that knows that movie well and goes, "Aha! Remember when she was burned alive at the stake? Yeah." No, um, I worked at the, some, like, shipping store, like, uh, like a courier service, and, uh, you know, it was, like, a pretty, like, standard place for shipping things, but there was, like, some limits on what you could ship. Like, you can only ship things that could fit into a truck, basically, so if it couldn't fit in the truck, you couldn't ship it. And she brought in this massive painting, and it must have been, like, eight feet wide by, like, 15 feet tall or something like that. It was like a fucking massive thing. And she's like, well, I want to ship this. And I'm like, you can't ship that. It's too big. And she was like, well, I can ship anything I want. Don't you know who I am? And I'm just like, oh, fuck. So ever since oh, then, I just don't like Lori Holden. I don't care. I guess you, uh, I guess you left Lori Holden her painting then. <laughs> Actually, I think she like <laughs> walked out and left the painting in there while she was calling some people. And I was like, is she going to come back for this thing? I wonder how much it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways 
So, yeah, ever since I never ever see Laura Holman, I'm just like, uh, not a fan. But, you know, even now watching her, I'm like, I don't think she's that great of an actress. Even my bias aside, I don't know if I really think she's that strong of an actress, but, you know. Honestly, for this movie, they didn't really give her character a lot either. Other than no. that one good smack she got on the religious lady, I feel like she was kind of just there so that the the main character could have someone to kind of watch his son so that you were still like, wait, where, who's taking care of the son? Yeah. Because um, it, it doesn't really feel like she had a ton of uh, substance or didn't like contribute a whole lot. But no. Maybe I just wish that she had done a little more because I really did. That slap was really satisfying. I kind of wish there was a little bit more to her character for sure. But uh, part of me also wonders if she's just not that great of an actress. Cause I've, I've seen her with some other stuff and I just don't know if she's that strong of an actress. So but, uh, maybe I'm biased cause I just don't like her, but um, cool. Uh, I think it's time to move on to some awards like best line in this movie. There were a lot, actually, that I really liked. Um, most of them were just, like, funny things that I noted. Like, after the that kid dies by being pulled up by the tentacles, and the, the one guy's kind of trying to justify it by being like, well, you, you never told me, and, and he said he wanted to do it. And uh, the main character just turns to him and goes, he's a kid, he's supposed to be stupid, what's your excuse? <laughs> like there are lots of little burns like that that people got in when um there's the old lady who threw the can of peas at the religious lady and she's like stoning people to piss you off or that stoning people who piss you off is perfectly okay they do it in the bible don't they and i got lots of peas she was so good yeah um i did think uh carmody carmody uh she had like a lot of great lines like her entire script is incredible yeah I think I'd like, she's also going to, spoilers, be my best performance in this because yep. I think she just has yeah. the most to work with. But yeah. uh, when she says, we have Judas in our midst, I always just find that line so incredibly cheesy, but also like kind of on brand for her. So it, mm-hmm. it is because she's that. Yeah. Because, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's an, a deep irony to it. Honestly, I think if, if, if awards, uh, if, if awards judges looked at horror, I, I feel like the tide may be turning just a little bit. But if they looked at it as deeply as they look at the 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 more celebrated genres, she would have been in best supporting actress categories because mm-hmm. I mean she for being a like a, eh, she's she's the antagonist really for the movie. I mean, she delivers on such a huge level, and it's even, it's just like little, little sardonic lines that go against her fiber of character. Like when, uh, when she says, uh, when, when her and, and Amanda are, are talking, and, and Amanda's like, oh, I was trying to, I was trying to help you, and she's like, don't, don't mock me. That's not what I was doing. She's like, I'll tell you what, the day I need a friend like you, I'll have myself a little squat and shit one out. <laughs> Which is so like, against type and it's it's it shows her real fiber of character and i think it's i don't know it, it's marcia gay harden will go down in history as one of my favorite performances in a movie like this well yeah. and it's so interesting watching it too because her character gets so much like uh what's what's the word i'm looking for there's a scene where it looks like she's dressed like jesus she mm-hmm. has long mm-hmm. dark hair with like a light beige uh, top she's wearing and like a red sweater that she has wrapped around that almost looks like a sash when you mm-hmm. when you look at it in certain angles. When she dies, there is a long pan over shot of her with her arms out as if she's on a cross. Yeah, there's a lot of like they they frame her in a as almost being like Jesus. Yeah, absolutely, Which is and it's so it's, interesting. It's, for sure, and and like how she's able to rally people around her and 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 kind of envelop them into her cause and everything. Uh, I mean, especially the stuff over, that we've seen over the last four or five years, it makes all of that. We were like, oh, we kind of knew that shit like that could so easily fucking happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. like she to these people, she sounds like the sane mind that's pointing her fingers at everybody else. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's such a fascinating performance beyond being 
in a horror story. Yeah, there's actually um, a line. I, who says that? I can't remember who says it. The the old gentleman who first comes into the store being like, they took someone. There's there's monsters out there. Mm-hmm. He he mentions when they're down by the generator, I think it's uh, scare people badly enough and you'll get them to do anything. They'll turn yep. to whoever promises a solution. And mm-hmm. that was so... It made me think of everything that's gone down in fucking reality, you know? Like, it's... This movie really is not just about the monsters. It's so much also about people and how people can be their own monsters, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. Um... All right, uh, best performance. Yeah, I'm yep. gonna still stick with Carmody. She she mm-hmm. was the the scene stealer. So there, there were definitely some good scenes, um, like father son scenes that I really liked too. That hit me in the gut a little bit, especially when the son is asking his dad to stay, and you're like, oh god. Mm-hmm. Um, but that other than that, every I've yeah, it was pretty much any of the of the religious lady scenes that I was just like, I, I just wanted to, I wanted to be the one to hit her. <laughs> yeah. That's the mark of a good villain. Yes. A hundred percent. It was so good. Hmm. Yeah. No, she definitely, yeah. Comes across like a, quite a good villain. So, um, okay. Best kill in this movie. I'm trying to think of like, I mean the ending, because you've got yeah. The, I would say Chris Owens' death as well, because it sets the tone. Because it's the first death that happens in front of everybody. Because you have Jeffrey Demun running in and saying, "There's something in the mist," right? You don't have any exposure to a kill until that scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but- I also liked when they went to the the pharmacy and everyone was in the spider webs. Uh, yeah that was really creepy and really cool and yeah. and it was kind of another one of those points where i thought i thought that group of people was going to be the one to make it out and the original mother who left was going to be the one to die you know and it kind of ended up being the reverse of that which i really liked yeah 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 uh i just need to just quickly bring something up, up about marcia gay harden because the mess was made in 2007. It was the last film of hers to come out in that year, in November. She already had three films that were released earlier that year. And the year before that, 2006, she did five different projects. So, I mean, works on so much stuff and still fucking brings it to everything she does. Like, mm-hmm, that yeah. woman should get Lifetime Achievement Award upon Lifetime Achievement Award. She's just incredible. Yeah, she really is. Um, yeah, dumbest decision in this movie. <laughs> I mean, I think the ending is probably as dumb as it gets. Yeah, it's like, well, like, like I said, uh, David makes the most decisions to get the most amount of people killed. I don't think it was his intention to get people killed. Yeah. Um, but I mean. You know, where show me the handbook to how to deal with interdimensional demons. Yeah, I mean, I will say one thing. L- trying to light them on fire while you're taking refuge inside of a building is probably not the best no. decision, especially no. when everyone else starts getting lit on fire. That, mm-hmm. to me, was like, okay, maybe you should... May- I, I get maybe they were at their wit's end, but you, you kind of need the shelter to stay, not burn. So no. that's the only thing about that. Yeah. But other than that, it was kind of just like like the individual one-off characters that are supposed to make the bad decisions so that mm-hmm. people can see how dire the situation is. Like the first guy who's like, screw this, I'm getting in my car, and he gets eaten, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or like at the very end, uh, one thing that kind of uh, stuck out to me was taking so long to reach for the gun on the hood of the car that that was a little bit like just take one extra step and be quick about it <laughs> yeah no. no i think like for me uh, it's just it's unbeatable like the ending just to, you know you see those little flashes in the bangs and you're like oh no because like literally like half a second later they roll in it's like oh you're so close mm-hmm. but, yeah cool i think it's time to rate this what would you uh, to give this a score of? 
Well, I'm gonna stick with my. I'm gonna like. I, I'm looking at my the my IMDb account, and I gave it a nine. Okay. And I'm gonna stick with that. I I still love it. It's as far as being a Stephen King fan and a fan and and then being a film fan. I think it's the one of the best transitions of his work that's been made. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's to me as, as like a, just like a one-off movie. It's such a satisfying watch for me like i still enjoy it every time um and i mean this cast is unbeatable i mean we talked so much about marcia gay harden but like the 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 voice and gravitas that andre brower brings to this movie too Mm. i I love andre brower i mean it's why brooklyn 99 was such an easy sell it's yeah. just like, yeah, I love Andy Samberg. I love Joe Latrulio. I love, all, you know, Chelsea Pretty, all these people involved. And, oh, man, Andre Brower's in a fucking comedy like this? Like, give it to me. Because mm-hmm. he just brings that substance to everything he does. Um, I haven't yet asked this question. Did you guys know that there was a Spike TV miniseries made out of this? I feel like I saw something about a series, and I knew there was yeah, a series. I didn't know it series. was Spike TV. Yeah, so the, it was a Spike original that was made. Uh, I believe it's on Netflix still. Yeah, one season, all on Netflix, eight episodes. Or, sorry, ten episodes. Okay, I know it was on Netflix. I thought that might have been a different one than that. Yeah. But, okay. I yeah, there's a ten-episode series. So, if we wanted to go the episode... I've only watched episode one of it. Mm. Um, uh, it's gory. It's, it's, really, it's really got its gore going for it. So, uh... Yeah, I, I, you know, if you guys are down, I would continue that series and and add an addendum to this episode. Yeah, it'd be interesting to like watch a few episodes, even just to like see how it is mm-hmm. compared to mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah. Um, um, also, going back to what you were saying about the actor Andre Brower, is that his name? Yes. Um, yeah. That first scene where he's with trying to get the chainsaw to work, I I had that initially down under best line too because just his little <laughs> his little chatter talking to the, the chainsaw so good and yeah. like you you i liked his character from the get-go because of that mm-hmm. i was like oh man i would be talking to that chainsaw the exact same way yeah. i was a little disappointed that he was a little more of an uptight character because i i kind of wanted him to interact more i i felt like yeah. there was going to be a bromance there you know and there wasn't but no, he still has that clash with Draymond, you know what I mean? He still yeah. ha- has that, there's still that edge. There's a, there's a history, you know what yes. I mean? No, yeah. I, I liked it. It it there it felt like their relationship was like a real relationship. Well, yeah. And that's like a th- huge thing that they stress to, to, to that Darabont stresses in this script, uh, is that small town mentality, is that, oh, do you remember me? It used to teach, uh, did I teach your brothers? You know what I mean? Like, there's still, mm-hmm. there's that, there's that connection uh, of all these people have kind of a history with each other. We don't need to fully explain exactly what that history is, but just know that everybody kind of knows who each other are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's not a bunch of strangers holed up together. Yeah. Um, I did. I did think it was a little funny, though. It sounded more like when um, the religious lady was first starting to go off, and then oh, I can't remember his name. He, I think it was this one of the store managers. That's like just in case for all the out of towners who don't know, mm-hmm. this lady's just a little crazy. And I was like, oh, they're talking to the audience for that. Like yeah, they want us yeah. to know that she's she's already kind of known as not right in the head, and yet she still gets followers at some point right mm-hmm. yeah i like mm-hmm. yeah that was, there's so many little things like that that the, this movie does with the characters that i just think are cool yeah no 100 percent. i think uh you know that's kind of why i've been enjoying i enjoyed this movie you know to a degree that like i don't know i i think this movie's got some issues um I, I I think it sort of held back. I still think it's watchable. Like it's not like a, a completely incomprehensible mess. But is it you know a perfect movie? No. I, I'd give this like a seven out of ten probably if I had to give it a score. Mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna sit in between you guys and go with an eight. I think mm-hmm. I think an eight feels right because I genuinely enjoy this movie. I think this is a good movie, but there are still like some parts that. Uh, just are a little bit long with the the character drama side. I think. Yeah, for sure. 
And uh, I still recommend people watch this, especially if you're a big fan of Stephen King stuff. Like, this is definitely one you want to watch. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you like monsters, I really like the monsters in this movie. Monsters are always fun. I like mm-hmm. that it's, like, not just one monster, too. Mm-hmm. It's, like, there's a bunch of different shit coming <clears throat> at them, and they have to come up with different, like, ways of kind of fighting them off for each of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Cool. Well, Steve, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah. Uh, you can find my website at stevestebbing.ca, uh, which I update every week with uh, all the stuff that's coming out that week. Which then appears on uh, the shift with Shane Hewitt, which is uh, nationwide across Canada. Uh, Pacific time would be at 11 p.m. Pacific. I'm on air, um, and then uh, my Twitter and Instagram is at the Steve Dead, and uh, I believe so is my Letterboxed. Pretty sure, or just look up Steve Stebbing, and Great. you'll find that there. And um, yeah, um, looking on uh, re- releasing some new podcast stuff this year i don't have a definite date yet but uh it's coming nice uh cool taylor where can people find more from you on the internet uh mostly social media like instagram i would say twitter but i'm never on twitter anymore it's too stressful for me (laughs) um i if i actually do anything i will post it on my blog which is circeanic.home.blog um, I do have plans to do stuff this year. I'm just I'm just trying to take it easy for now because I, once I start making plans for myself, the list gets way too long. So I got to organize and figure out which stuff I actually want to do and which stuff I should I should not stress myself out with. So yeah. keep an eye on my blog if you want to keep up with any of that stuff, and we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah, I say the same thing. I'm like, you know what? This year I'm going to dedicate an entire episode of Tremble to Truth or Dare. No, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Can we do a double feature? We'll do both truth or dares. Wait, there's another truth or dare? Isn't there more than one truth or dare? Or am I thinking of a different... Oh, no. No, I can't remember. I, I hope not. I'm panicking now. I can't both, remember. And they both star Lizzie, uh, Lily Hale. Or what the hell is her name? Lizzie Hale? Li- no, that's the Hellstrom girl. Um, oh, gosh. I forget. Her name Lily Hale? Something Lucy Hale. Hale. Lucy Hale. Lucy Hale. There we go. Lucy yeah. Hale with their fucking yo play smiles. We can do that one and the one where there's the woman who um, got like wronged by some guy. So she starts like messing with her their kids. That's stars Octavia Spencer. That would just be. A oh, Ma. Ugh. <laughs> what a bad week that's going to be. It's going to be the Blumhouse <laughs> shit week. Might as well throw Fantasy Island in there. Oh yeah, triple feature. <laughs> so so yeah, there's there's a 2017 Truth or Dare. Oh yeah, that's, and there's the, that's a the Blumhouse 20... one. No, the 2018 one is apparently oh. the Blumhouse one. So I'm I don't even know. It doesn't even look like there's too much of a plot difference between these movies. Uh, the 2017 one, the first one, apparently premiered on Sci-Fi. So that will maybe tell you how. Yeah, it's a TV it movie. Yeah, it's yeah. a TV movie because the rating for it is a TV. Um, but I'm pretty sure I have seen both of these uh, because I thought <laughs> the first one was the truth or dare that everyone talks about all the time. It's definitely not. But... Hey, yeah. the fact that we're getting to truth or dare before the Hell House LLC tr- uh, sequels is like, what the hell, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, they could have just sucked with the first one for Hell House, though. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't need to do You're the only one that took that, that grandiose step of doing the next ones. The Lake of Fire and what is the other one? <laughs> it, we don't even need to look it up. It's not even worth. It's not even worth saying its name. Hotel Abaddon. Oh gosh, that's. <laughs> nah, I don't know if I can subject anyone to Truth or Dare. That movie is is not good, but it's low key kind of hilariously amazing at the same time. So. Uh, um. I yeah. appre- I appreciate your. Me personally, as as the audience conduit right now, I appreciate those words. I um, <laughs> I do remember like you know I was dating someone for a while and like she's like well, we should watch something on Netflix and she goes into the washroom and I just put on Truth or Dare. She came back. She's like, what you put on? I'm like oh, I put on this movie called Truth or Dare. And like immediately twenty minutes in, she's like, this is definitely not a good movie. And I'm like, no, 
but it's it's got its brilliance somewhere <laughs> somewhere in there there's brilliance it'll oh be boy a, it'll be appreciated one day um <laughs> yeah keep waiting <laughs> <laughs> 30 years later, there'll be like some blog and it'll be like on screen rant or something. And they'll be like, why truth or dare is secretly an underrated masterpiece. I'll be, like, It'll be on the same oh. list as showgirls. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Though I, I do wonder like 10 years, 20 years down the road, what movies from now are people going to be like, those were unsung masterpieces. Cause some of these lists I think of I'm like, nah, I don't know that that movie wasn't that great, but so I kind of wonder, like, what movies will be, like, the the cult movies? Well, from the... I laid on the hill that one day Jennifer's body would be appreciated, and I think we're getting to that point. So I am not going to admonish you any more than I already have for the Truth or Dare thing. You know what? Truth or Dare may get its day one day, or it could just fade into obscurity. It probably will be the latter, yeah. but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm over at ThreeGreenHearts.com, where... Um, occasionally I try to find ways to work truth or dare into content, but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Is this going to be, like, your new Friday the 13th? It's now just going to be all truth oh, or dare? Oh, no, there's no way I could love truth or dare the same way I love Friday the 13th. There's just no way. It's, <laughs> it's not possible. Like, you know, Friday the 13th is, like, your firstborn child. You love it to death. And then truth or dare is, like, the kid that, like, got dumped on your door and you're like, I guess we'll find a way to love you, but, like, uh, it's going to be a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then I'm over on Twitter, Film Critic Kurt, uh, over on Letterboxd, Fatal Koala, and I'm occasionally on the CBC Early Edition if you're in Canada. So go check that out. Until next time, everybody, where we're going to be talking about some um, shallow movies. We've got uh, Phenomena and the original Suspiria. So until yes. next time, bye for now.